Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia, 101.9 FM, CITR.ca online. I'm your host, Michael McCall. I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower. And with us is Steve And Pander. I'm Steve Pander. It's good, to, it's good to see you, Steve. Well, uh, we kind of just got uh, thrown up at us at the last second, this whole starting of the show. Yeah, Michael kind of didn't even give any warning. No, I just had to start. Yeah. Well, no more messing about. No more. And the Whitecaps didn't mess about yesterday either. Oh. No. If you're listening to this on the podcast, this is episode 191. And it's been a, a fun weekend of, of football. We've had a Whitecaps win, a Whitecaps 2 draw. I was at a couple of Provincial B Cup games at Burnaby Lake for three hours this evening. So, a feast of football. And we've got a lot to talk about in the show. We're going to talk about... The, the win in Montreal to start with. The the Whitecaps finally get their first road win of the season. Oh, yeah. I, I say finally. I mean, it's it's not as if we've, we've been going on for like months and months without one. But it's nice to finally get one kind of out, out of the way. And it was a come from behind victory as well. So it, it was a kind of game of rarities. We won on the road. We came from behind. Andrew Jacobson scored. A beauty. Yeah, it's just everything was going great. What what was your your impressions really of of the overall win? I guess just to start with. I mean, the the performance to start with. How, how did you see it all going? I thought it, I thought it was a near road performance. Um, like if you think of it, they they didn't really give up too many chances, um, especially on target. They were able to clear the uh, the area in front of the net, and um, then on top of that, you know, even and they didn't get phased by that early goal because that early yeah, goal I mean, could, years past where they have yeah. completely lost it once that happens. They were able to get through that. They scored before the half, and then they just really control. I thought, especially in the first half, they controlled the game. Uh, some of the stats you you like you were mentioning the before we came on air that the possession um, was their highest. And if you look at even some of the other stats, like for example, their passing in the attacking half. Uh, was better than Montreal, and the uh, I think really the most all year. They really like control that ball in the in the Montreal's half. I I think it was it was nice to see. And I know there's something we want to talk about. It was nice to see 
there's there seemed to be a lot of criticism of the, the Portland away game with a, a change in formation. I, I think some people were even questioning uh, Michael, even yourself, a little bit about how much time they had spent uh, practicing the, the formation. So it was kind of nice to see them come out with the the same formation. It looked like a same or very similar tactical approach and the same starting 11. I think yeah. that really, really helped. Well, that was one of the other rarities. Robo, for the first time this season, and if you speak to Robo, and the Whitecaps mentioned this themselves on their own website, it's not that Robo wants to change the team every week. It's not something like he would love to have a stable lineup. Unfortunately, injuries... Other things have kind of dictated otherwise, suspensions, but back-to-back unchanged lineups. And I I kind of predicted that that's what they were going to go with. I, I thought they were going to go with the, the three DM, CM things again. It's like, depending on how you want to look at it, it was a four-one-four-one. I I feel it kind of turned out again. But, I mean, Steve touched there on the possession. The last two games, since they've moved to that that three central midfield role. Against Portland, that was their highest position of the season, 47.81%. Beating that against Montreal, 48.47. Still not 50%, but we've talked about it before. They, we can't keep giving up tons of possession because at some point, a team is really going to punish us. The, the thing is, against Montreal, they, they actually had more than 50% possession until the last 15 minutes of the game. And that's where Montreal took over. And that's where I think we're, like, and especially in the last uh, five minutes, it was, like, really drastic. Yeah, we they, they were really so, pushing hard. But so, so essentially, I think, I think if you, you could almost count that as they won the possession in that game. But, but the possession, though, is for me, it doesn't have as much to do with the formation as it does to the tactical approach. And I, I think we've begun to see this. I think when you go back to, I want to say the L.A. game. But it might be wrong, I, and I don't. I I don't know what the the numbers are without looking at them. But but I think it's more the tactical approach of of how we're doing the of how we're focusing our build up play that has made a difference in the possession, which I think has I think has led to in my mind and in my sense has led to more chances, um, and and I think led to uh, some of these results we've been having. I mean, ultimately. Possession, it doesn't mean much. It's what you do with it. It's yeah. like... The, oh, it's what the, everybody says every yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the size of it, it, it could be 30%, but if you get the only goal of the game, who cares? Right. And if we get 50-odd percent and don't get a goal, having that possession means nothing. And you look at it, uh, they got 10 shots, three on target, and two goals. And that's a pretty good percentage if you want to go over there. Whereas Montreal had 18 shots, only four on goal, and obviously the one goal itself. Yeah, and so another thing about the CBA, if you want to talk about possession, the one thing is in all in, in both these these last two games where yeah, 47, 48% possession, we still have yet to have a game where we actually have more possession than the opposition. So I don't but think I, I, but it has yeah. increased greatly, yes. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be rare anyway cuz just cuz the, the personnel too. Yeah, we, we haven't really had that much. How do you see the three midfielders working? Laba, Chani, Jacobson, they played against Portland, played against Montreal. If you're going to go with a three, do you feel that that's a three to go with? Obviously, Tybert's kind of on the outside looking in. He got, got on the pitch there at the end, right? Well, just yeah, the 90th I, minute. Yeah. I don't think he even got a touch on the ball. Oh, I, I, It's just a shame that we'd made the subs because we could have had four DMs. It's like, as, as I tweeted out, 
it's like it's a dream come true for Robo. And someone said, yeah, Robo's dreams like 11 DMs in the park. So. Yeah, I don't think those people know Robo very well. But <laughs> um, I, I think, to be honest, in Portland, it, it felt it felt uh, a lot like the, the, the cup match there where, where Gersh was – there were three holy midfielders and Gersh was the, the guy pushed forward. And I know that was that, – even though I think they worked on it in quite a bit that weekend training, that was awkward for them. Right, like that was not, and it, I mean, it showed in in we had chances, but it showed in in the result, the goalless draw result. So Portland, to be honest, after the during and after the Portland game, it felt like okay, this was a one off, and it was kind of weird that Jacobson was the one pushing more forward because if yeah, I, 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 I totally felt like if you're going to choose one of the three, it would be probably Tony Chani. Or maybe secondly, maybe Matias Lava because he's got a bit of form. He had a bit of form from the LA game in terms of going forward. Yeah. So it, fe- it felt really awkward. And then, uh, not and then Jacobson <laughs> had a couple of yeah, chances yeah, in Portland totally. that he wanted to fall to anyone right. that wasn't Jacobson. So you got that header where you're like, ah, oh, that needed to be on net. And then he had the at least one where he just oh, just failed to get onto the yeah, end Montero of it. Yeah, sent the ball and he just couldn't yeah, bring it down. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and so. It felt kind of awkward, but then again, you go to an, another game and uh, you go to the next game, same formation. Again, appeared like the same tactical approach, and he he put the he put the chances away. Yeah, and or sorry, he put a chance away and had a beautiful pass for another goal. And you were talking to somebody uh, about Jacobson. <laughs> um, you, you can you can tell the story. No, yeah, no, I just uh, I asked someone, you know. Kind of how how often have you seen Andrew AJ do that in training? And and the person kind of said actually quite a bit. He's he's quite technical in training and, and some of his finishing. Yeah, and I think I think he I think he's done that before with other teams too, where he scored from distance like outside the box area. It's just inside the box maybe he lacks a little bit uh, finish around the, around that area, which seems funny. But um, I like you're, you're talking about who would that be the three midfielders. I would still like a more dynamic player to be with Jacobson and Lava or Chani and Lava. Um, a guy, obviously when Reyna comes back, he would be the ideal guy to be in there. But even now, I, I, I think I kind of prefer Mesquita there. Um, uh, and then you have that holding midfielder to come off the bench and, and play and if you need if you're holding a lead or something like that. Well, okay. Mi- oh, Mis- Mesquita or Bola, uh, Bola either. Okay, well, when you're talking about our, our midfield, okay, yeah, it's, it's 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 nice to be able to look back on these two these two matches and see, I think, two performances that I think people are mostly happy with. Uh, I think see a lot of, or a number of positives in them. But if you're talking about, like, again, is our midfield dynamic, again, uh, there was flashes of it. Like like Jacobson's pass to to the bug for yeah. the winning goal felt dynamic, but in terms of like consistent like and even just like the the sense of yeah we have someone who's dynamic like gonna be uh, gonna run our our offense from the midfield in a in a controlled consistent kind of way we don't have that and I and I it's hard, it's hard to think of who we've had even in the MLS era beyond glimpses of, of Pedro. Uh, who did that? Because even even Davide Cumento struggled to play centrally because of some of his def- defensive deficiencies, if you will. And it's always been a problem, I think, in the MLS era of who is going to be the, the, the person who's going to run our midfield. Right before MLS, it was very clear. You had Jeff Clark. You had Martin Nash. You had guys who, like, you knew who was running the midfield. Obviously, these are different leagues and different levels and all that kind of stuff. 
But I think in the MLS era, it's always been like we've had some good destroyers. We've had some some guys who who, who have scored some goals from midfield, who have some different, different things. Some people might want to talk about Baza and his contribution over a half a season. Um, aside from the you know the, what some people might call his antics or his approach or his attitude or whatever. Um, but it, we really haven't had someone who has like really dominated our midfield and been like first on the team sheet and in control and. I don't know. That, that's all. That's all. I, that, I hear. I hear. I hear a number of people who talk that way, who've been talking that way for years. I don't know. What, what do you think, Michael? We haven't seen that. I mean, we we do need possibly. I, I've mentioned this before. It's pie in the sky. But a, a player like Scott Arfield, if we're playing a three centre midfield role, someone like that in there would be dynamic. Or like a young um, Adam Muffet. Yeah. When, when I when I mean dynamic, just to, so I, I want to make this clear, I want somebody that the other team is kind of worried about. Right now, I don't. Even though Jacobson scored, I don't think other opposition teams are worried about Chani and Jacobson pushing forward and scoring goals. It might change now no. that Jacobson did that, but I feel like they don't. They don't worry, so they, they're able to but, push forward. But too. here's the thing, though, Steve: if you take out one of those three and you put in Nico, who totally provides something totally different, he provides pressure on the ball. Right. Yes. It just. I think it changes the dynamic because because yeah. right, right now you have. Laba sort of playing a little bit deeper as sort of a lone destroyer with those other two in front of him who are also defensively responsible slash destroyer slash breaking thing up. It's like it's yeah. like we're it's like we're clogging the middle. Because that's bit. the th- we've we've had midfielders and we've talked about it so many times that are either good defensively or good attacking, and we've never had someone that can swing both ways. And Chani was meant to be that guy. So let, let's talk about Chani's performance. You're, you're right. Yeah, Chani. The first game he came on as a sub against LA, he looked, oh, this is what we've been needing. And then, since then, we've not seen anything out of him that makes you think, yeah, he is worth... And we're going to talk about salaries in the second part. I mean, he is on over 300000 For that kind of money, you need a lot more from him. Now, yeah, he wasn't playing before he came here, but he he's not often much just now. And... At some point, we're going to move away from having the three central midfielders in there. And we actually had a, a tweet from Gideon Hill on Twitter, at Gideon Hill 11, who says, if you're going back to the two, do you go with Chani or do you go with Jacobson? And up until yesterday, it was hard to say really that one was better than the other because Jacobson wasn't having a fantastic season. I think it was better than Chani for sure. So did you say Jake, you felt Jacobson was having a poor season? I, no, I, he wasn't having that great a season I, compared with what we saw from him last year mm. because he, he just didn't seem to... He didn't have the spark, but then yesterday, and I, I guess in Portland as well, it's kind of opened him up. He got a goal, he got an assist. He's got the freedom now to get forward, and I think in the earlier games this year... He was the the weight of the defensive responsibility weighed heavily on him. Yeah, I think he still has defensive responsibility. Yeah, he does, yeah. but the weight's not there now okay. because you've got two the other guys. Because you have other, yeah, yeah. You have other people are focusing on that. The other thing that we haven't talked about this the the formation and tactical approach is it, these are road matches, and obviously we don't have to worry. Yes. But we don't have to worry about playing at home for another like three matches or whatever. So we're we're fine. But yes, th- when this when this is, I think, because w- I could see us going with a similar approach for one, if not both of these next two games. But is what's going to happen when we come home? Is that still going to be the approach? Because it is. I think they. I think everyone would agree they've been good away from. Yes. They've been away good away performances. I I think people would 
like us to be more on the front foot yeah, a little Folk bit. Yeah, always want us to play more attacking. And I think Rome. I, 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 I don't care thought, how we th- play as long as we win. I so thought we were works. fine yesterday attacking wise. They got two goals. Yeah, I th- and I, they were able to hold on more. I, yeah. I, th- I think, and I think he might admit it. I, I think Robbo feels the sense of at home we need to be a little more on the front foot. Well, let's ask him. Robbo, line. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I need to give him the number for the show in case he wants to call in at any point. I think he's sleeping right now. Well, I've, I've got, I've got his number. Let's okay. just give him a call. <laughs> <laughs> let's look at some of the other individuals. If I, if I, actually, first of all, let's let's look at the three goals, because that's going to bring us in talking about some of the individuals as well. Now, Montreal's goal, shot from distance, Donadell went through a, a, a few players. I, um, I, I think went by players. They didn't really go through them. Yeah, they, they were in the road, and it begs the question: though, did Usted see it late? Or should he just have done better and got down better? Because I, I for think me, he, it was a bad goal for him to let in. I think he was screened by Chani. I have, like, a lot of people were talking about it. Jay Duke uh, tweeted a picture out about the the way the uh, the everybody was uh, positioned in the in the marking. Um, I, I had a big problem with that, but there was other two other problems that I had. Uh, and these are obviously minor things that if, if were different, would have not, the goal might not have happened. One was Chani... Instead of sure he was at a distance from Dondell, but um, if he had squared up to him, instead of kind of kind of breezing through by him, kind of in, from a distance, I think that would have affected the shot. Second of all, if Parker had lined up with his back four, it would have put Hamill, uh, Jackson Hamill in an offside position, right. and he interfered with the kind of the uh, uh, the ball on his. Not, he didn't touch the ball, but he kind of was in in uh, in in the spot yeah. where the ball went by so we would have put him offside yeah. so at the, that point I, I saw the first goal through the eyes and the voice of Peter Shad on the radio and that and that's kind of what they were saying they felt was what was, was taking place was that Osted's delayed David's delayed reaction was because he was worried that Jackson Hamel was going to get a touch not unlike he did for his first yes. league goal a couple weeks ago yeah. and so it made him not look great on the play but he was he was he was thrown off by that basically, and, and you hope that Parker would have, if Parker like was in right. line that it might have been called offside. But you never know what linesman too; they right. might not have done anything there. It it was one of those goals that went in, and you, well, me being Mister Pessimist, I feared the worst. Got to admit that, and the fighting spirit that the team showed to get back into the game was fantastic. Yeah, and they they get they had a couple of close calls before it, and then. Bola sends a, a free kick in. It's cleared, but only to Jacobson at the end of the box. And what a strike by AJ. Nice. He kind of placed it. It wasn't even like a strike. It was almost like you just wanted to put it right in the right spot. And I can't remember who it was that tweeted out now. He said it was pure filth, which yeah. to me is, is his new nickname. A- AJ's a crap name. Like, Hashtag pure filth. Yeah, and it's like Chani wants to be known as TT. No, no, no. Bad names. You I want don't know. something like Andrew Pure Filth. Did you? Did you? Did, there was the there was the the boxing match on right after. Yeah. Or I think it was on at the same time. So in the pub, we were, we were, we were watching it, and then like we turned, we were watching the game, and the you know looked over the boxing match, and they had uh, that uh, what's his name Andrew Joshua. Yeah, or, AJ. So he was walking into the thing, and I don't know if you saw it. There was like huge pyro with the letters AJ. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was, was a fantastic sweet. fight, actually. Just to digress for a second, that that was like heavyweight boxing of old and Josh was a great boxer 
managed to avoid it, I thought, for most of the game. And then at the WFC2 game, Robert Enshaw and Sam Adekugbe were talking about it. And I'm, it didn't totally spoil it because I misunderstood. I knew it finished in the 11th round and I thought Klitschko had won. So it was, it was a pleasant sight when I got to watch it. But anyway, digressing and, and back to football talk. So yeah, Jacobson made it 1-1. And then as Steve mentioned after that, the the Whitecaps kind of, can't really say took over, but they had the better of the game. And there was a spell though at the, about the hour mark onwards, where Montreal were pushing hard. Baloo, Tabla, couple of chances. David Oosted made up for any mistake that, that he had with the first goal with a couple of fantastic stops. A couple of big leg, leg saves off Tabla. Um, a sprawling stop as well. And it's, it's that thing that's like fine lines, as Robbo would say. <laughs> it's those things like a goalkeeper comes up big. And as I said, we're going to talk about salaries in part two. But I mean, Usted, 380-odd thousand he's on. Some folk are like, do you need a goalkeeper that's on on that kind of, of wages? When he comes up with match-winning saves like that, every point that he then sort of makes is fantastic for it. And, I mean, he had a good game. Defensively as well, Shannon Williams, we've got to talk about that. He had a game-high six tackles. Yeah. And second on the team with five clearances behind Kendall Waston. Really starting to come s- into his own. I saw six when I was looking at the stats. Yeah, I, I got that from the cap site as, oh. as five. I saw MLS said six. Ah. I'd go with MLS. Fine lines. Caps. Yeah. But I, 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 six. I, I personally thought, I know the goals were scored by the other guys, but I, I, I think he had a shout for player of the game, man of the match. He basically shut down Piatti. Yeah. Piatti had to move to switch to the other sides in order to, or, or switch around to get um, some look at the ball. Otherwise, he was getting nothing. Well, that and he was getting thing. frustrated. The too. last two weeks, this lineup has shut down Valeri, apart from the one cross that he got for one of the goals. And Piatti was like almost invisible yesterday. And if we can snub out danger guys on other teams by doing this, then it's fantastic. But, but Williams starting to come into his own now, finding his feet, made the right back spot his own after going to and from with Nerwinski at the start of the season. We expected him to be the starter. And he's showing some experience. He's showing the best of what he showed before in Houston. We seem to get guys that are, like Chani was great with Columbus before, instrumental in them getting to an MLS Cup. Williams was good with Houston in the past, but we seem to be getting them as their stars are fading a little bit. And Chani hasn't shown that he's relit his star yet, but Williams, it's, I think, has. It's early for Chani still. He just came oh yeah, we can't write him off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think, yeah, the back line I think did did well yesterday. Uh, I, I think it was Piatti. And talk about talking about shutting down Piatti. I think it was Piatti that was it Piatti that Kendall had that battle with down to the touchline and like. Uh, totally just like jockeyed until the ball went out or whatever, but like totally out. I think I thought it was Piatti. I can remember. And I know Parker had a fantastic touchline battle where he just shoved the guy. I liked that. Which his family in the crowd would have yeah. really appreciated. It's like that. that's what you're wanting from the defenders and getting away with it as well. Uh, last thing we'll talk about in, in this segment is the second goal and the play of the bug, Christian Teixeira. Now, when we're talking about the goal, everyone's talking about AJ's assist. Great finishing composer by Teixeira. 
But before that, we kind of have to give a hat tip to Alfonso Davies yeah. for having the... I mean, the football savvy as a 16-year-old. I don't know if anyone knew that he was 16, but <laughs> he, he's only 16. And he showed the football intellect to set that that play up as opposed to just, like, tearing forward. Yeah, he, and he has done that in the past where he's just, you know, got the ball and just took in it. But this I mean, time he, he definitely did he was 17, the way yeah. he, he made that pass. But, yeah, I mean, he set that up. Then AJ, brilliant ball to... to to put Teixeira through. Now, Teixeira as well, we've kind of seen this before. A lot of guys in the past would maybe have shot first no, time. Well, but here, okay. When you see it, you're just like, wow, it's great. He, It's almost like he, uh, I guess sometimes the, the language is used, undress Simone or whatever. Like, you see Simone slide and he cuts back on his left foot. But my, after the first thought of like, wow, what a goal. We're in the lead. This is amazing. My second thought was like, has Laurent Simon never watched any video of, of Christian Tetera? Because there's he does, he does pull the ball back a lot. Well, well yeah. no, because there was like I don't know if you like I was watching and I was like, there's no way he's shooting this with his right foot. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, but when you're in that situation, you're not thinking back. Oh, what did my but coach it, tell no, me? No, but this was like a player of Simon's quality. Like I think knows that in his head and it, it, it just plays out in how he plays. Yeah, and it, this was not this was not. Um, you know how Christian and Kendall got beaten in snow in in uh, in Salt Lake. This was like he like a thousand times bit like full out dive slide to try and block a shot on Tachera's right foot. To me, it felt like he doesn't know Ch- Tachera's game that well. Obviously, he didn't. Then. Oh, I mean, the, it was great play by Tachera. Don't get me wrong. I agree with you about Davies. And then the, what I really liked about it is that Davies not just. Just didn't make the pass and just you know admired it. He actually followed through it. If you watch a replay from a different angle, he's right there. Uh, he could yeah. easily they yes. could easily taken the pass and just slotted it home. No, he was all open in that box. And there was I think one other player I can't remember who that was, but yeah, overall great great play by Chichera. Um I'm glad he didn't shoot like you said right away because that's what they normally do. Um, but you know overall great play. And Tichera, maybe. It's things we've talked about so many times. It's like, we want the bug from 2015 back. And he started to show glimpses that he could be back. And it's what we need. He's been playing really well the last few games. And if Robbo wants to to kind of go with a pretty settled lineup, it looks like he has made the the left wing position his own. And we, we got a tweet through from Angus Walker at Angus Walker on Twitter. And he, just talking about the formation, he wants to replace one of the the, the two sort of Jacobson or Chani guys with Davies and to move Bola back to the middle, which would obviously mean change the formation back to, I don't know, 4-2-3-1 or a 4-1-3-2. Which you'd think you'd see at home. Like, that. that's what I think will happen at the, at, you know, in three games at home, is you'll go back to 4-2-3-1, Tachera on one side, Alfonso on the other, Bola in the middle, and uh, two of the three holding. I, I, I like the I, – I th- say play 4-1-4-1 four, because one, four, one. I, th- I think they're getting way more attack yeah, with this I, too. I, I so like I, it. I like oh, it. I say I, stick I'm not with saying that. I don't like it. I just think that's what will happen. Yeah. No, I say stick with this. Of course, a lot of what is going to happen formation-wise and team selection-wise is going to depend on injuries to the team. And there's been some more – 
Part of the reason I think, though, that the the Whitecaps team wasn't changed is Carl Robinson didn't really have a lot of personnel available to him. Some more injuries during the week. Yeah. Um, does beg the question: What the hell are they doing at training? Because three of the, the injuries, three of the fresh injuries, happened at training. So right now, they're battling for places. Yeah, long-term injuries. We know that Brickshee is out. He seems to be the closest to coming back. He could re- return to training possibly within the next two, three, four weeks. So there's a good chance that we might see him back for June. Brett Levis, still looking at the summer July, for him. yeah, at the earliest. Jordi Reyna, I'm going to ask Rob about that this week because Jordi Reyna is still in a walking boot. No, uh, oh, he, not he's had, he has had the boot off. I've been told he's had the boot off. At, uh, I think he took it off this week, last week. Uh, there was a period, Did he get permission to take it off? I believe so, yes. Okay. Uh, I, I believe uh, he, he has been... Uh, the, the week before that, it was a little bit on, a little bit off. And I asked, was that just for fashion? But no, it was per, just precautionary. So I think, I don't know if it's off full time now, but I, I think they're there or thereabouts. Well, his boot may be off, but Eric Hurtado is still in a boot. No, he's not in, he's he's, not in a boot. He's not in a boot, but he's probably at least, I would say, four weeks away. Oh, I thought you mentioned he was in a boot yesterday. No, no, not in a boot. So that, that was the long-term injuries that we knew. Marco Bustos... Injured himself about two weeks ago at training. Was that ha- was that a hamstring? It was a hamstring. But he played then last week. He oh, played, he aggravated? Yeah, okay. he played last week the first half on his birthday against scored. San Antonio. Scored, but then aggravated the hamstring and was pulled off at half time. Mm. And I mean, it, sometimes it's great to be pulled off on your birthday, but on a case like that, that wasn't good for Marco. No, not that. Hard. And he's missed Saturday's game against San Antonio. So we have to hope that they can Sacramento. arrest him up. Oh, yes, Sa- Sacramento. Too many sa. Really confusing. But then there's, what, is it three injuries this week in training? Three fresh injuries at training. Kyle Gregg, tight quad. You have to think he, he was he a was guy. In, he was in Montreal, though, right? That yeah, was late. It, it, yeah. it was on Friday when he was in Montreal that, that he actually injured himself. So you have to think he was going to feature in the game day squad again possibly getting a few more minutes, depending on how the game had gone. Although if it had gone as it went, I don't think he would yeah, have he might actually not have got on. But like, that's really unfortunate because this is his time. Yep. Again, we've talked about taking your opportunities. Yeah. This is the hour for, for, for Kyle to, to make his, uh, his talents known. Yeah, and he, he got his, his first few minutes in Portland. We didn't really get a chance to, to see too much of him. Marcel de Jong is another guy that got injured in training this week, his knee. And, I mean, De Jong's been on the fringes of the squad as it is. So, I, my feeling has been that De Jong is in the squad until Brett Levis gets back. And then once you know that Brett's okay and a, a good backup for Jordan Harvey, they may move De Jong on. If he's injured, they won't, obviously, because they can't. But then he's not got a chance to kind of prove his worth either just now. And if, if something happens that Harvey goes down, the guys that can play at left-back... You've got Brett Levis injured, Marcel de Jong injured, and now the fresh and the last injury for the week, Christian Dean. And we don't know the full details yet of Christian Dean's injury. Josh Clipperton from Canadian Press tweeted out on Saturday that he'd injured himself during the week and it was the same foot that 
was it two injuries last season? Well, same injury? Same, like, because before it was broken. Yeah, we don't know whether it's broken yet. We've not had any confirmation on that. I have heard it's not looking good, but it could be not looking good and that he's just out for a little bit. Yeah. Or the worst case scenario, and I think we have to, we all hope and pray that it's not this, that he's broken his foot again. Yeah. Metatarsal? No, that wasn't his issue before. No. No. Um... I spoke to him in Wales, and he said, y- you-, you can't play thinking you're maybe going to injure your foot again. But there was, he did feel a little bit of pain in it one day, and then he wasn't going to, he didn't train the day after that, and they had a game the day after that, but he wanted to show Robo his worth, so he played, and he nothing happened. Every time, though, that he went in for a tackle, and... Nathan Van Stone, the, the Caps comms guy, just told me, because it was the same with Kakuta. Every time Kakuta or Dean went in for a tackle, I was like, oh, no, oh, and you're just, like, fearing the worst. And it's like, it's fine, it's fine. Obviously, now it's not fine. Does he have, I forget now, because I, I, I did ask this before, but does he have any medal in there from any of those things from before? No, I don't think they I put a medal so. on the foot. Okay. But if, let, let's speculate. If it is broken again, what is that going to do, not just for him physically and his chances with the team, but mentally as well? He went through so much last year, admitted that he was in some dark places at times with the death of his father, the two injuries that he had. He's such a he's such a great guy off the pitch. I mean, we've both talked to him lots, and you just really feel for him. Yeah, you wonder in the... And the comms people trying to make the players human and relatable and all that and, and having that, yeah, big – I guess was, was it was written by himself. Was that, They had him write it, I think. Yeah. So with him being so transparent, something obviously we're not very used to with dealing with MLS, but um, with him being so transparent, it, uh, one wonders, is that helpful? Okay, that he might be laid off for – he might be laid up for – uh, six to eight weeks again or something like that. So is that helpful? Because people know, okay, last time this happened, he wasn't a good place. Like, even his teammates. Does yeah. it help like them to... Well, yeah, they'll know. They'll know. Or is it just... Think, or does it make it worse? That I don't know. I, I mean, and they, I don't know either. I'm just asking the, the question. The caps are good and the players are good at rallying around. The, the good thing for Christian is his roommate is Ben McKendry. Oh, okay. And Ben's a, a great yeah. guy. When they both had their injury problems, they were both there for each other. So you know he's going to be there again. Ben's family will be there for him as well. And the the biggest concern for me, whether it's broken, whether it's not broken, the fact that he's injured it again, how long-term damaging is this to his career? Because not only can you not have a player that's going to keep getting injured... If he decides to move on from Vancouver or if the Caps decide to move him on, he's not going to be an attractive proposition for teams on the salary that he's on right away just now anyway, but also the fact that he's a guy that just keeps injuring himself. Well, a couple of things. One is I I, I don't think salary is a huge issue for for him. I think playing is his number one. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, he would, he would have taken a pay cut this year to come back. Yeah. So the other thing, which, and I know some people might, based on some of the criticism that he's faced this season from 
uh, on social media anyways. Some people might be surprised, but there are people who have been watching him and keeping tabs on him, I think both on this continent and on other continents. So, like, there are some people who feel his upside is huge outside of our outside of our club. It is. He just needs he, to have regular right. playing time. That, that's the problem. It's not really – it's his development is going to be hindered, uh, like you said. I think that's the biggest yeah. problem right now because he's got the raw talent. Everybody knows that. Um, he's shown uh, little bits and pieces when he has been able to get on the pitch, but if he if he can't get on the pitch, he can't develop and he can't take that next step that will get him to like you were talking about Europe and people looking at him and stuff like that. And we just want to wish Christian all the best and hope that it's not as bad as as we're fearing and some things that's kind of coming through the grapevine. I'm sure we'll find out this week. We'll speak to Robo on Tuesday and Wednesday and find out. But just want to send best wishes to, to Christian and all, all the guys that's injured just now. And hopefully they're going to be back soon. And Robo's talked about not wanting to stockpile players, not wanting yeah. to bring guys in now, knowing that guys are going to be healthy. The problem, though, that we have in the centre-back department is you've got Edgar out, Dean's now out, Cole Siler didn't feature on the Anywhere. bench yesterday. In fact, you, you pointed out to me there was no central def- yeah, well, defenders well, on the when bench. I, when I saw the 18 yesterday, I was just like, okay, AJ's our third-choice centre-back in this 18. Yeah. So if it's, someone... Yeah, essentially that would have happened if he would have moved yeah. back. Yeah, he, he's good. I'm comfortable yeah. with him yeah, doing that. But it's kind of awkward when you have no, no. no yeah. central defensive Because, because right now, we've got Parker and Waston both of who could technically get called up in June for World Cup qualifiers. No, I think they, I, I think Cup. Parker's on the outside looking pa- Parker's at. Maybe Parker's a more, of gold, more of a Gold Cup call-up. Yeah, well, well, yeah, there's Gold Cup then as well. It's and, like the, and Kendall will be a... I, yeah, but they can, they can, if injury issues, they can stop Parker from going if they have to. They, they can hold him back. I don't they, know. I don't think they like the block, won't be they don't like the block pathways. No. Not, this time, maybe they will. Uh, but, uh, uh, so except for except for maybe Alfonso Davies playing for U seventeens U twenty or okay. Canada. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing what? is, uh, I think they will. I, I think they w- should sign somebody now or trade for somebody. Yeah. Some lower level guy just to fill in some spots that well, th- they can eventually release at the end of the year. They or could give like Sam Dewitt or Francis Davies a contract, but then then they have their contract. So they yeah. Get- no, I wouldn't do that. I would bring in some. I I, I think they need a veteran. Um, I don't think a young guy's going to help out. Well, of course, there was the rumors, two rumors of Effie Ambrose and John Terry. I'm not John, talking about John that Terry guy. was not a rumor. I'm not talking <laughs> about that kind of uh, veteran. Yeah. I'm talking about within MLS, bringing somebody I mean, from that's not s- playing that some, much. Someone like Terry, you don't want to to upset the harmony of the Wags, for one thing. Hmm. We, we won't cross that bridge. And by the way, I was just joking. I don't know anything about Alfonso Davy in the U7, U17, U20s. I just know when he was, there was talk that he was supposed to be in the U17s and then he didn't go. Yes. And, yes. and no one said No, no, you're no just making a harmless joke. Yeah. That's how rumors start. <laughs> anyway, we talked about Christian Dean's salary there. And if we're bringing anyone in, whether it's a central defender or whatever, salaries are going to be important. David Edgar, we are going to get relief for his season-ending injury. He's on guaranteed compensation of 183 just now. But that has to get used by May eighth. Yes. Yes. See, this is the this is the thing where it's like we're on the clock. So this yeah. is this is the Effie Ambrose. Well, rumor. this, but it doesn't it doesn't have to be for a center back, right? It can be for whatever you want. No, it just the cap no, faces. Let's, let's not worry about that. That we, the, we no, can but, go until two o'clock. But that was but that was was uh. Let's just think they got to fill in the spot. Yes. Let's no. not worry about the specifics. No, but that was one of the concerns. I think um, one of the brujahas on social media again about. 
I don't know if it was after the Portland game or the game. There was a brouhaha on social media? <laughs> shocking. Hashtag shocking. Hopefully um, not Twitter because yeah. <laughs> that's a safe space. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but there was like, oh, he said, oh, there's no players imminent. And then like all yes. – like everything, everything, you know, everyone freaked out or whatever. Well, if, if – obviously we know Edgar's gone and if, if, if Dean – they would obviously know if Dean is gone for ex- a very extended period, they need to bring somebody yeah, in. Yeah, they have to because they can't rely on the three with Cole Siler being the third. And then Waston going away too. Yeah. I mean, we don't know what happened to Cole this weekend, right? No, I, I think he possibly traveled and then just didn't get in oh. the 18 because okay. they thought AJ was a good option. Well, he wasn't had... WFC too? No. Okay. No, yeah, he was not there. Maybe he was another injury, but they didn't want to pile it on. Possibly. <laughs> so like, the salaries were announced last week. It's... Always uh, a fun time. If Zach, I, you want to take it, a break from this part of the thing? Because I know you're upset about salaries getting released and stuff like that. I'm not. Or do you want to just talk about no, it for that, five that, minutes? That's Kendall Waston's wife that doesn't like to to get salaries released. Well, Did she, she should talk out this year. She should talk to her union then and, and discuss that because they, they're it, the ones that no, want it. Is there a wax union? No, I mean the, the <laughs> players' union. Ah, okay. No, it, it is. A, it's an incredibly awkward thing, right? Like yes. So, and it's Steve, you and I were talking about it last week when we bumped into each other uh, in the Langley Massive. But um, you, you didn't reveal your salaries to each other, did you? No, okay, no, okay, no. Right, just we, we were wearing T-shirts with our salary number on. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it, it, it's an awkward thing in the locker room. It's an awkward thing for players. You you look at books that were written about like when Golden Balls was in LA, yeah, and how he maybe went out of his way to make it not awkward, but it was awkward. Well, it's like here, Camilo saw what Kenny Miller was getting yes, paid and said, totally. I deserve Kenny Miller's money totally. because I'm scoring goals. Yes. Yeah. Um, you've had, you have other teams where, where I've, we've heard stories of, of DPs or whatever paying so they're in first class and what, those kind of things. Um, yes. But Steve, you know, as we were talking the other day, Steve, you brought up a good point that this is like a, a, a catch-22 for the union because the union wants to publish these to show how little their players are actually making, and to help draw and to help drive up, and it has it has increased the minimum salary because remember minimum salary used to be like thirty twenty five thousand or, yeah. or thirty yeah. thousand thirty two, and I think the lowest lowest played guy is Cole Seller at fifty three. Right. I so still that, understand uh, why some guys get paid four cents. Was that like a deal breaker? Could have been. I'm not coming to MLS unless I get that four cents. Yeah, that's one of those napkin it's taxes. Things, I'm sure. Maybe they're accounting for taxes. But oh. but no, but so it's so the HST. union for the union, it's a it's a way to hopefully help help their players in the in the long run. But in terms of the individual teams and the chemistry in the teams, uh, the league does it. So I guess you guys falling on MLS side for once, uh, because MLS has no. no desire to release these salaries. And uh, the teams have no desire to release these salaries. Yeah, at all. I mean, I I personally think. That someone's salary should be a private matter. I've just never, I've just never liked it. It's never sat comfortably with me. Well, I was telling, I was telling Steve this. I, I'm in a, I'm in a world where, in in one position I had, I w- that was every year at the AGM, the salaries of the workers, they were there for everyone wow. to see. So it's kind. Of, I've I've been in that. It's not the same, obviously, but I've been in that kind of awkward, awkward thing. But 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 you're right. It, it's not it's not good for the chemistry. No. It's not good for the harmony. And if you want to talk about some of the awkward salaries. Yeah. I've kind of just printed a few off here. Um, we won't go I, the, I tweeted one out, the whole like listing from yeah, top to bottom. We, we won't go through every single player's salary, but s- some of the ones that jump out, if we look at our DPs, first of all, 
You've got Montero on 1.8, but that was kind of known that that right. was pretty much what he was on. And, and without talking about that in too much detail, right, he is on loan. And yes. what's common when you're on loan is that your parent club, if I can use that language, is not uh, – uh, you have a contract with your parent club, and the club you're on loan with often will pay – Sometimes it can be all of that, but sometimes it's yeah. not all of that. I think it's highly unlikely that uh, that one point eight is all that all that contract is worth. Yes, it would be surprising because yeah, most loan deals or a lot of loan deals, the the parent club does pay part of their wages. And if you look at the situation, the Chinese club had too many yes. foreign players on their squad, and so I think that's where we had some leverage. So he, he was getting more than Pedro was making last year, right? And for me, so far, he's he's worth he's worth that money. So I've no complaints about that. And Our, I think he's, and, and you talk about worth again. When, if you think, let's well, in say, the grand scheme of football, it's like a bargain, right? But if you also think that we're only paying a portion of what the money he's actually making, yes, then it's very much yeah. so a good deal in Ma- that in that sense. Matty Laba, he's always a guy that when we talk about different things with salaries, we can talk about buying down. He's a name that crops up. Oh, why don't we buy him down and not make him a DP? He's currently on a guaranteed salary of 885. That is too high for me. Yeah. And you can't buy that down without using a hell of a lot of allocation money. Now, is that part, uh, that's not the transfer fee in, included in that, is it? Or I, I, don't, I have no idea. I don't know anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. it was. If it was amateurized over the length of the contract. So he's, that he's, is a, he I'm, might not be making all that 885. Exactly. Yeah. Which is, which again is part of like when this thing comes out, people are like, "Oh, we know everything about what the players are making. We know, uh, we know their, we know their salaries. We don't like you. The, these things don't include. Okay, how much TAM yeah. are they on? Some players, yes, we you know which players are TAM, but we don't know how much TAM we're making. One of the things, and so this is, I, I, I kind of wasted it, but this was when when uh, when when Garber was here. Uh, I almost called him by his nickname, but when Garber was here, um, he, th- I, I, I asked him that question because we've heard from multiple public, we've heard from more than one public source and I, I've heard from a, at least one private source, not enough to talk about. Now I haven't heard from multiple sources enough or sources that would go on the record enough, but that there are like, these numbers are not all that players are making and there's ways to. To get around that. Yeah, I'm right? sure there always is. So I asked Garber at that thing, here are two public examples, what's gone on with uh, Fabian Castillo in Dallas, and Merritt Paulson tweeting out that, one, I forget which one of his DPs it was back in the day, that we are paying that player more than what it says on the union numbers. And But, but I don't know why you would even come and publicly admit that. I mean, I forget, the, just, there was a context. Yes. There was a context to it. Yeah, but it's but, just weird. But Garber kind of said, no, we are all yeah. above board. And uh, Paulson is Ma- weird. <laughs> Mallet, Mallet was like, oh, we have to sign a, a thing that says we won't break any rules and yeah. blah, blah, blah. But there. Well, you look at the LA salaries and it's like, no, yeah. You know what salary you want to look at? Montreal. Now, yes. Montreal salary, <laughs> I was looking at that. Um, well, they get paid in cheese curds. For share. example, yeah, uh, Mancuso, M- 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 eight hundred thousand. Um, Lawrence Simon, six sixty one. That seems reasonable. But then you got Piatti at four fifty. That seems low. Yeah. Um, I Donadella three eighty six to get Piatti for four fifty here. Donadella three eighty six, and then um, uh, the other one, Bern- Bernadello, two eighty eight. 
That seems low. When in Bernadello, I, I have a feeling Ber- those guys have jobs at the Saputo Dairy Factory. Bernadello, Bernadello, up. Well, I think when he was there with them the first time, he was a DP. So I don't know if that had to do with transfer money or whatever, but he was a DP before, and that's so I think one of the reasons he left because it wasn't working out with him with that tag. Yeah. The, the, the other thing which doesn't come up, and there, and then we don't know all the rules. We don't know where all the napkins are at MLS HQ and what they all say on them. But one thing that I think has come, I think this is kind of publicly known, or but it's going to be nice. You you can have one at least I think one player on your roster who is a player coach, so their salary that you see at the union does not include what they're getting paid as a as a, as a coach. Which I think will be Mauro Rosales because he was coming in at sixty five for us, which right you, you can't really see happening. Which would make sense. A couple of quick ones just that, that also jump out. Well, Breck Shea, we knew he was going to be a DP. Six hundred seventy thousand. I just I don't don't see that being. It's a better deal than worth D- Giles Barnes. Though. Again, again, yeah. <laughs> again I've said this on multiple shows already this year. Both of Breck and Matthias need to be tan players at most. Yeah. Yes. Then don't want to sign that I'm piling on him, Russell Tiber, and I know his salary. It doesn't count. He's a homegrown. Doesn't count against the cap, but there is You're allocation still pissing money. away one hundred ninety-four thousand no, dollars. That the, annoys the, me. The, there's allocation money that can be uh, that is for homegrown players. Yeah, and that he's getting the some of that. So I just don't like. It's not totally free. I don't like the club wasting money. You don't like the optics of it. I don't like the optics that a player that is not a regular is making more than. Like, I know they're different positions, but Timmy Parker. Yeah. I mean, he is a steal. He needs a better agent at this rate. If he's only getting, what is it, ninety nine thousand? And he went. And he, so he got. A, he did get an increase. Yes. From last year. Oh, the regular like uh, no, union. No, no, it's the yeah, no, regular. No, no, no. He got. He got more. Oh, got yeah. more. Okay, yeah. then that's fine. He got more than the regular increase. But the thing is, he, I, when I thought, he was when he was drafted, he was drafted. I think in the in the after the tenth pick, and usually that's about how much players get around that time. I don't think it was yeah, before ten. But I, but even if it was before ten, you you those college players are taking lower salaries. He's just outplayed his contract at this point, and he, when he contracts is up, he will get that raise. Because if you swap Parker and Dean salaries, then it's fine. Yeah, Every, no, everybody's happy because yeah, nobody has a problem with Dean. Dean's two hundred two thousand guaranteed, and that's only one hundred twenty five. But again, base. but yeah, so in salary cap, it makes sense. But relationally, what does that do? Yeah, because I mean, Parker must be thinking, well, I'm starting every single game. It's um, on the fringe of the American national team setup, and I'm I'm getting this paltry figure. Now, obviously, options and everything come into it. But if I was Parker, I'd be like, "Look, I want more money, or I want to move on." Which is you you wonder how that again? How he's does that? Get, all, he's going to get more money. Out? He's going to yeah. get more money. I don't think you have to worry about him moving on because he yeah, will but, get more money. You guys are like talking about things that are like. Not going to happen. He's when his contract is up. Waston will probably won't be there. He will be the number one center back on yes. the Whitecaps. But but again, this is professional sports. We just spent how many how much time talking about how many guys are injured this year alone? Yeah, one point six million from the four long term guys of Hurtado, Reina, Edgar, uh, Brett Levis. So Parker gets and a, she Parker gets a serious injury and. His options are worthless, and he, you know, while he was playing his best, he made very limited amount of money. That's life. 
Oh, I'm not saying it's not, but it's, it's not. It's life with anybody. But, yeah. but again. Not just professional again, sports. Again, this is, this is you, you, gotta, you have to worry about relationships. Yes. And th- these two times a year when this comes out must be the worst for, Rob, oh, yeah. for Robbo and the coaches. Yeah, and, they must and, hate and, it. And, but, or um, they don't care and you guys are making a big deal. No, no, dude. You already ma- he already mentioned one of the one of the most frustrating things that that's happened in the life of the MLS era of our club, right? We lost a a, a golden boot like MVP player because we we did not handle this right. We yes. did not do well at this. So it's not it's not without foundation. It's not without no. cause that this is a and it can certainly happen again. We, we lost but, we lost that player because he broke rules and he left oh, his contract. Please. Yeah, how naive are you being, Steve? Come on. I'm I'm telling the facts. No, 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 no. You, let's yeah. let's move. See, now we're falling out over salaries, and nobody wants that. <laughs> so just before the break, there we're talking about salaries, and one thing I forgot to mention was the White Cats actually sit pretty average. They're ninth, I think, in the highest salaries. So everyone's always going on about the White Cats need to spend more. We we kind of it's it's we're spending it, a lot. Yeah, but it's not. I I've never had a problem with their spending. Uh, their issue is the that top three players and it's yes. not even the top one I it's, guess a, it's, that, it's yeah. the number two and number three player other than that i have no problem with the rest of the salaries it's the designated players yeah. the issue so let's move on from salaries and it's time now for our wavelength section of the show now wfc2 yesterday we're playing sacramento republic no no draw it was a good game we won't go into that in too much but the, the highlight of the game was it was bark at the bird Ugh. What my, it's my favorite theme thing of the of the year. You didn't even bring your dog. He doesn't really like football. Oh. Well, he he'd get bored for ninety minutes. One interesting thing for the one interesting thing for me was we talked about. I think the first two games for WFC two, they played a very interesting formation. I think it was like a three one four two one. I probably have an extra number in there, but they played a different formation. And in your conversation yes. with Rich Fagan. You asked him about the formation, and he said, I spoke with Raul and asked if I could do something different, yes. which is music to my ears because they always talk about playing the same, and then they yeah. don't really do it. But it was good to hear that. And then this game, they played a f- – what well, on paper, they called a 4-3-3. Yeah. But he is- said that was because just of the personnel that they had available. Okay, because it looked similar which, to – Which does make me wonder that Cole Seiler was, as we mentioned, out, right. out in Montreal. But it looked it looks the similar formation we played these last two games. True. But anyway, it was, it was Bark at the Bird – and in a couple of weeks' time, it's going to be Mutz at McLeod. Dogs and football, it's the way to go. Zach's just looking mortified here by this. He, he's, he's not a dog lover. You were there. You were the, the thing you wanted to happen most yesterday was for a dog to run on the pitch. It was, which brings us nicely to our wavelength section of the show. And we're going back to 1995. Perennial favourites of the AFTN soccer show, Half Man, Half Biscuit. From their Some Call It God Core album. So, mentioning God there for you. You'll, you'll be a fan of that, Zach. And this is a song about dogs on the pitch. I just thought we'd tie it in. What could be better? So, this is Half Man, Half Biscuit. With even men with steel hearts. Love to see a dog on the pitch. <laughs>
Everything's gone horribly wrong. Cars are too fast, cause the drivers are slow. Joyride boy died nothing to myself. From Magdalene to Sellerfield. The scant regard for how we feel. Sheep are green, dead roses too. I know it sounds bleak, but hey, don't despair. Cause even men with steel hearts love to see a dog on the pitch. Even men with steel hearts love to see a dog on the pitch. So warmth around the ground that augurs well for mankind Man Half Biscuit there with Even Men With Steel Hearts Love To See A Dog On The Pitch from their 1995 album Some Call It Godcore. It, feel, it feels like the dog was put down the way the song ended <laughs> abruptly there. I just, dogs and football go together. Zach just does not agree. But then Zach's not agreeing with anything tonight because what you all missed while we were playing that is Zach and Steve are still arguing about Camillo's situation. Let it go. Oh no, I'm, we're not talking about it now. We're, we're okay. moving yeah, on to it, it, all, all you need to know about Camillo is go and watch his goal from this weekend. If you haven't seen it, make sure you find it. Eric Hurtado-esque. I say esque because it ended up in the back of the net. <laughs> Beautiful. So, let's get back to some football chat. Colorado. The team that's coming up next. Bottom of the Western table. Yes. They surprised a lot of folk last season with their strong start. They've got Mr. Sweary back from his suspension. No, he's not back. Yeah, he's yeah, back. back. What? This, uh, this was his last game that he served. No, really? Yes, he is back against the oh, Red Caps. That's unfortunate. As I things, thought he had one more. As things stand just now, the Caps are sixth in the Western Conference, hanging on to that last playoff spot. Possibly a long way to go, I don't know. They've got three wins, four losses, and one defeat on ten points. Colorado, one win, one draw, 
five defeats from their seven games, four points. And they've only scored five goals. Yeah, in their they have games. only let in 11, though, in their seven so, games. So they're not letting in a lot. And at home, they're 1-1-1. One, one, and one. We don't do well in Colorado. We won the there once. Times. We won there once, But right? this is the year that they could. Didn't Darren score and we won there once? No. I think we drew there. Yeah, we oh, drew. we've drawn. Yeah, I don't I th- remember I, us I thought winning. we won 1-0 once on a Darren goal. I think we should do more research for this show. No, I, I, that means more work. We yeah. need, we need, we need one more win. We need one win out of these two games to reach the nine points. Then they got to do it. I, in, call, I they, called for they, those five games. They they got to do it in Colorado because they ain't getting nothing out of Houston. Uh, I don't know, man. Houston I, I, is very solid at home. It's hard to get. Anything we're really out of bad there. in Houston. I don't think we've won in Houston ever. Uh, no, well, we haven't haven't won in Texas ever. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, we'll I mean, change that. Let's change that. But no, Colorado, I, they're there for the taking. Yes, right for the picking. And you talk about Tim Howard at BC Place. Tim, we have five goals in two games against Tim Howard. Yeah. So I, Tim Howard should not be should not daunt our our team at all. But Howard is back, and the the whole situation with the suspension it, it's been interesting. We discussed he, it last week. Yeah, but he he kind of threw kind of threw his team under the bus a little bit with his statement saying he. He he feels he's come out and said he feels he hasn't been given proper support by his club and by the league in this matter. That he should not have been abused the way he was, and that he's the one that's been punished for it, and he hasn't had the proper support. So since we talked about it last week, I found out what I heard that, that actually happened that caused the bigger problem was not the little video of the people swearing at him and him swearing back. The issue was. Uh, SKC, who the, the the our Whitecaps front office has modeled their player entry off of, um, they they enter and exit right where some high price tickets are, and someone I think who was inebriated I I think uh, kind I would of say most likely came, came towards him, and so he kind of grabbed the person because the person was coming towards him. So it, it's a little bit like that that the stadium setup and how it's so your the players are so accessible and he, I yeah. think I think he's right. Like I don't think I, I actually do as well. At the same time though, I've abused a number of players over the years verbally. Right. I've never obviously run onto the pitch and gone up to someone or tried to grab someone as they've gone off the pitch, but it happens in football. And I was listening to the about the post game show yesterday on my way up to UBC. And they were talking about it and ex-players and stuff saying, goes on all the time, he should expect it, he's heard worse in England, blah, blah, blah. Until you're in that situation, you don't know how you're going to react. But I think one of his statements said, it's not even like this in England. No. Especially with the the, the access people have at that tunnel in in, in Kansas City. But yeah, I mean, I've seen it during Scottish games. It seems to be really bad at Tynecastle in particular that... The fans are so close to the action that sometimes they get the ball and then they throw the ball at the player at his face or into his chest and then they're pointing at them and shouting loads of abuse. Celtic Rangers game on the weekend, there was like monkey chants going on. There was stuff getting thrown at players. I mean, that kind of stuff goes on. But the players just don't react to it. So I do see both sides. But the fact that he feels that he hasn't been supported by his club is quite telling as well. Now... It's either going to play in his mind a little bit and he's maybe going to be off his game or he's going to have a blinder because yeah. he's wanting to come back and, and show this is what you've missed. But then, okay, but then he is only one piece and the team in front of yes. him has not been good. Oh, they've been we, poor. We, we, we talked about them trading away their most significant 
defensive or two-way midfielder in Sam Cronin and yeah. a starting left back in former flounder Mark Birch. It's been it's been weird to see a team that looked so good last year and you thought they'd finally turned the corner after a couple of years of mediocrity. And it's like what we've said about the White Caps. Is twenty fifteen the real White Caps playoff team? Or is twenty sixteen the real White Caps and they they played above their weight in twenty fifteen? Now did Colorado was twenty sixteen them above their weight well, and is are they a mediocre team? Well, I, I think part of what the similarities between the two is both those sides had incredible years of uh, in terms of their goals against, right? In 2015, I think we had, uh, for us, a record-setting goals against. If I yeah, we were leading the joint leaders of the league with our And I think it was, it was our against. best in MLS. Yes. And Colorado last year, I believe, was like crazy with their goals against. They won tons of games 1-0, especially at home. Yeah. But the thing, the, the other thing about Colorado, and I think we did maybe talk about this earlier on the, pre, the preseason or whatever, is a, a, in addition to losing Cronin and Jermaine Jones, I know he didn't play that much last year, in the center of the midfield, and Mark Birch, and uh, I can't remember who else kind of came and went from their side, is they also lost uh, your fellow Scotsman, John Spencer, left as assistant coach and went to San Jose. Now, maybe you can say he hasn't, San Jose hasn't, you know, been up and down this year, or a mixed bag this year in some ways, but. There was question, I heard question by people around the league saying they wonder how much influence John Spencer had last year on that defensive approach, on on helping shape the team uh, for being that compact and that, that that solid defensively. And I'm not saying that's the only yeah. reason or the answer, but I think it's it, it, it when, when so much has gone wrong in the first seven, eight games of the year, it's hard not to look at those kind of things as, as, as part of the answer. But they still have only let in 11 goals over seven games. So they're, they're, it's not as if they're shipping tons of goals. It's just they're not scoring goals. But, and, last, and, year, but last year they, they, last year they, they weren't were, shipping goals at yeah, all. Yeah, last year they were below one goal a game, if I remember, memory serves me correctly. I think, I think, yeah, I think they were. It's, it's a tough game. Altitude, obviously... Don't know how hot it's going to be next Saturday, but I mean the heat's starting to get up a little bit. We do have players though that are kind of used to some of that kind of stuff. Do we go with an unchanged lineup again, or do you feel this is a time where there needs to be some tweaks? Is the altitude going to maybe take its toll on some of the guys that's played every minute for the last couple of games? I, I don't think we can talk. I don't think we can focus on that too much, right? Like you. In our preparation, the coaches as they prepare the players, they that can't be a focal point because as like obviously as the coaches talk about it and they decide okay when are they going to travel, how quickly or how slow like how much ahead of time or how close to kickoff are they going to arrive? In well, Robo likes to go closer to kickoff because if he feels there's right. no point in going unless you go way before, like yeah. Tuesday or Monday, yeah. He was talking about. yeah. So they're going to go. Let's say they're let's say they fly on Friday then, right? Okay, I think they will. But that's more for the the coaches to to decide and to talk about in terms of your preparation with your players, that can't be too much of a focus. You have to focus on, because the players know, the player knows the state, they know the stadium, it's at altitude. They know it's a little bit harder to breathe. They know that you don't need to highlight that. Right. So I think I, I hope we, I kind of hope we approach it in a similar way to the last two games. And I kind of hope that the, the formation and tactics are similar because, because we, have seen a number of games there where I think we've seen both. I think we've seen games in Colorado, if memory serves me correctly, 
where we've totally just tried to bunker, quote-unquote, yeah. park the bus. And we've seen games where, at the beginning, we tried to have a go, and it didn't end so well. And we've seen games where MLS officials have robbed us from goals. So we've seen it all there. I have a sneaking feeling we're going to see a similar 4-1, 4-1 formation, but I think we might see Russell Tiber in instead of Chani. Because Chani maybe isn't totally fit yet. And a game where he's maybe going to be out of breath quite early, whereas Tybert's Mr. Fitness, it makes sense for me, I'm not a fan as folk, no, but it makes sense for me to have Tybert in as one of those three guys. That's a good shout. Uh, or uh, I, that's a good, a good thing, a good possibility. Or if he does go with the exact same starting 11, I, I definitely, you're going to see earlier subs, I think, in this game. Yeah. The other, the other is, do you think, you, you mentioned Rusty, do you think there's any chance... I know he was in the 18 because of the injuries and stuff. Any chance Benny Mack would be considered for this? Or is it I don't know. He's he's having a great season with WFC2. He's really getting forward. He's he's playing box to box. He's playing some of the best football that we've we've seen for him for years. That he had a, a really standout season one of the years at New Mexico. And this is what he's he's doing. He's leading WFC2 at the moment in shots I think and yeah, I mean, he, he's got an engine in him that would be great to see, and he's played in the altitude with WFC2 last season. That that would be a good shout. I just wonder about Bolanius. He didn't have a fantastic game against Montreal. Wasn't poor. Uh, was, folk, he didn't stand some, out yeah, as much. Some, some folk were quite critical of him. He seems to get a lot of criticism from people when he's not exceptional every single game. I felt like Montreal paid a little bit more attention to him. Yeah, but that he, he is up, like your key, the key guy right. on the team, really. But I think that opened up the other side more. Yeah, I, I just wonder whether they may feel he's played two games in a row. He was still just coming back from all the injuries and stuff. Will they maybe rest him and put Mosquito in? Because Mosquito's played games in Colorado. He's played in these kind of games before. I just think he might be the guy that comes in out on the left or out on the right. Yeah, unless you even want to go with a four-three-two-one. Yeah. Oh, and that's a little bit too much. Yeah, I I can't see them changing the formation, and I I I, I, I agree with Zach. I think it's going to be a little bit of tweaking in the lineup. I think the formation stays the same. Um, they the, might have a, a, one of the guys maybe not joining the attack as much. Yeah, and kind of being a little bit the, more conservative. But yeah. I don't think the overall formation. This would be Russell if Russell played or Chani the way well, that he's been playing. I, I I think they'll maybe take turns. They'll know when the other yeah. guy's going that, forward, and then and the other guy that, sticks back a little. That might bit. be the only tactical approach that's affected by the altitude. So before we we finish chatting about this, let's get some predictions. You're on a roll with your predictions, Zach. So, so I, was, I was wrong in Portland, but yeah, okay. We well, got one right. I got, I got Montreal, Montreal right too. I got Montreal. Okay, well, you're both on a roll then. Do what? Do remember what, what? Did I choose? Did we choose a score? Oh, we chose a score. I said a clean sheet. I, did I say two one? Which, if Chani did his job, it would have been a clean sheet. Did I say two one? I can't even remember now. Uh, yeah, you might have. I mean, okay. We'll uh, give it to th- you. There's no right or wrong, guys. Just <laughs> oh, man. Says, says me that was wrong. Uh, how many points were we going to get in those? <laughs> Yeah, I don't, you've won a Mars bar. So, how do you how do you see the game going on Friday? I was going to say Saturday, but of course it's a Friday night game. So they won't be travelling on Friday, they'll probably be travelling Thursday. Is it the Friday? It's a Friday night game, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Prime time, yeah, wake up. away game, wow, okay. Anyway, what's your prediction? Uh, my prediction, I will... Enough stalling. I will say... I will say... 
I, I'm hoping again for like another like. I got two two Colorado and Vancouver tied. I'm hoping for another two one victory. I'm going to go one one. I've got my optimistic hat on. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> semi optimistic. I've got a semi hat on. So we're all confident. We're going to come away from Colorado with something. Let's just see if we're right. So let's wrap this show up before we start rambling anymore and before there's any more arguments about Camilo. <laughs> just before we go, just let everyone know where they can find you online, Zach. Uh, on Twitter, it's at Zachary AM, and I'm a part of the movement Curva Collective. And Steve, how are your movements? My movements are fine, and you can find me at Beat on Twitter. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. We're going to be bringing you another podcast, probably Thursday this week, and it's going to be a TSS Rovers PDL special. We're going to have some chat with Colin Elms and Will Cromack, and if things go according to plan this week, we're also going to bring you a chat with PDL Commissioner Todd Easton, and we might have a few other little surprises thrown in there as well. So watch for that coming out probably Thursday. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. You'll find it on all your podcast feeds soon. Watch for all our Provincial Cup coverage coming up this week. It's getting to the exciting crunch time for all these teams. So until next time, thanks for listening, take care, and And mong the cap. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Ten minutes left, yeah, but